Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Today we will bring comments from several people who were gathered in northern Minnesota at Gooseberry Falls State Park and Two Harbors. They were here for the Gear Grinder Classic Biking Event on Sunday, September 10th, 2023. On the day before, Sabbath services were held at Gooseberry Falls Lakeview Shelter. My sermon was entitled, The Ministry of Jesus Christ, His Work, which was composed of three parts. Those three elements are covered succinctly in one verse, Matthew chapter 4, in verse 23, which reads, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. In this podcast, I would like to focus on the area of preaching, because preaching is not only what Christ did, but a responsibility that he passed on to his apostles and to the entirety of the church. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 and verse 15, we read about Christ preaching the gospel. Mark 1 verse 14, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, we read, this is from the New Century Version, the whole body depends on Christ, and all the parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part does its own work to make the whole body grow and be strong with love. So what we did, our group that was up in northern Minnesota, we had an interactive session that afternoon and that evening and talked about how we can accomplish the mission that's set forth in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16 about how each part does its own work to make the whole body grow. So what you'll be hearing are comments from various people who were there. How can we apply how Christ preached the gospel in his time to his audience, the way he read them, and he successfully was able to preach the message that ultimately brought on the conversion of thousands of people? How can we do that in our time with our church and our culture? So so let's start with Andy Lee from Cleveland, Ohio. All right, I'll jump in. So a um, couple thoughts across my mind. Um, anyone who watches football, we always see John 3.16, uh, God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. But people don't really pay much attention to verse 17, um, where it says that he came not to condemn the world, but that people might be saved through him. And I find it interesting to see the contrast between the message that the prophets were sent to deliver, which was often one of condemning Israel and telling them what they had done wrong and the cataclysm that was coming, and the contrast between that and John 3.17, which is a message of, of hope and forgiveness um, through Jesus Christ. So I think that is a model that we have to think about in terms of the content of the message that we preach. Um, the other thing that I always find really compelling we look at Jesus Christ's ministry is he sat down with sinners and prostitutes and he at the same time was able to express that he did not condone or agree with their lifestyle and he stood for something different and at the same time was able to forge a relationship with them. He didn't force them to eat with them. They didn't go running away because of the things he said. There was something very engaging about what he said, while at the same time he was not condoning what they did and showing a better way. And so I think 
to me, when we think about the substance of our message, I think those are the types of things we need to really knit together, meeting the audience where they are, understanding where they are, not necessarily condemning them for the fact that they don't haven't had their minds open, but leading to a better way that's there. Mike uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, knowing your audience and how does that audience or how did G Jesus knew his audience? When you look at your audience, how does that audience receive information today versus 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? And I think it's important to have active teaching and active listening and to have a dialogue back and forth. I think that learning and that participation, I work with young people in our church and they're really into active participation and that's how they really learn. Not so much from lecture as much these days, but more of a back and forth. And then as far as content of our message, I, I always think, you know, we're preaching the good news. Good news is positive. It's encouraging. It's edifying. Do I feel that way after hearing a message? Do I feel uplifted? Do I have something to act on this week in my own home? That, I think, was really gets traction in people's lives. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Michael. Next. Uh, yeah, T Tony Stith, Woodbury, Minnesota. I, one thing that crossed my mind when you were talking is that our light in the world, we're to be lights in, in the world. And, you know, you can't be a light to the world if you're mirroring the darkness, right? So if the darkness around you is what people see, if you're just running around, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and the world's kind of the same way, they're not able to see a light in you. And so we're, we need to actually reflect the light. And what's interesting to me is that, you know, if you read the, the gospel, the time that was happening at, when Rome uh when the Jewish revolt was happening and, and it was right around the time when you know Paul was in prison, Nero was coming in power, persecution was coming up, uh, 70 AD, the, the temple was destroyed. But you don't read a whole lot about the politics and all that stuff that was going with the Jewish revolt. Here you get hints of it. You have to go to Josephus. You have to go somewhere else. They were focused on the open door and the hope of the gospel that they were preaching. And it seems sometimes... We tend to have more of a sky is falling versus focusing on, on the hope. My name is uh, J.R. Landgren. I live in Cook, Minnesota, and I work in Hibbing, Minnesota with the Housing Authority. And a lot of the people I deal with there, you might classify them as, uh, well, not, not the cream of the crop folks. They're poor, and they're poor for a reason. And most, most of the time, they're having difficulties in life. And they'll see that I'm different in one way or another, and they'll ask me, hey, hey, you go to church on Saturday. What's with that? Well, I try not to start throwing scriptures at them. What I found in dealing with those people is to basically bring out another question. I said, well, if believe it or not, that's the day Christ kept. And he commanded us to do the Bible. God, Father, commanded us to do that until the end and beyond forever. So what does that mean? And then they'll go, well, I guess that's forever. And that's been changed. Who changed it and who had the authority to, you know, trump God? Oh, well, there's, there's, there's another question that they're asking in their mind. So if the discussion is to go further, they will ask that question. Otherwise, I've put a little bit of a thought, planted that as a seed, if you will. And then I, if this conversation has obviously come to an end, if you ever have any questions, I can show you scripturally some things that would absolutely amaze you. And there's a greater time coming. There's a purpose for all of this. Leaving them with a question as well as a little encouragement. There's a wonderful time coming. 
we can all look forward to it. That's what the gospel means. Gospel is good news. People don't even realize it. They think it's, well, what some minister might preach to you, that not being uh, necessarily good news, but a hellfire and brimstone you know, sermon that would bring you down. So encouragement and keeping it short and putting up, answering the question, but putting in their mind that there's many more answers to that question. It's a deep question. So you always leave them with that. And if they're wanting and they want to look further, the door is open. At that point, that's when I step away. And they're comfortable with that because if you pull them into a corner and just start throwing scriptures at them, that's the quickest way to drive somebody away because they had a simple question to begin with. And that was, why do you keep Saturday instead of Sunday? So you can overcomplicate the whole process by overdoing it. Sorry, we just had a, I just had one thing to add to what, what you were saying, that we had a really good sermon in Indianapolis about, uh, from someone who works in finance. So he's look, always looking at cost benefit analysis, things like that. And sometimes when we look at um, what we believe in, there's a pretty heavy cost up front. We may not see the benefit immediately. And speaking you know, to teens as well, you know, there's a, there's a heavy cost in what we believe, but what is the benefit? The benefit comes later, and it's always the long view that we're looking at and how it affects our lives long-term is really the benefit that we receive. I'm Sherry Jesbold. I'm from St. Michael, Minnesota. There's been a lot of great things that have been said. I think I just want to make a, a comment because I know that some of our young people struggle with separating living a Christian life, being in the world, and where's that line, right? You know, Christ was with tax collectors and he was with sinners. Well, you're not supposed to hang out with people, right? Especially our young people. It's the um, saying that your peers determine a lot of who you are, right? So where, where's that line? I think the church can definitely help our young people with that. Just tell us a small, a small story. I worked as a social security disability rep Patty Sexton and I were going up to Anchorage and we were going to court for this lady, right? We'd been working with her for over a year. We won the case, so we were going, kind of going out to celebrate. She was riding in my car, this client, and before we went into the restaurant, she, she said, I just thought I'd want to let you know I'm gay. And I'm like, I know. And she goes, what? You know? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, but why are you guys so nice to me? I'm like, it has nothing to do with you as a person. You know, there's a line between, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hang out with her, like her be my best friend, you know what I'm saying? But we, I, we worked with her for over a year, meetings and everything, and she saw that light both from Patty and myself. Our young people, well, I think a lot of us are trying to figure that out, right? But our young people, I mean, I think the church could use that as something that they could definitely do for our young people, make that, explain it more. Mm -hmm. But you're also saying not to be judgmental mm -hmm. of, of people out there because there are a lot of people that you don't want to be around, you know, just, just overall. But look at who Christ associated with. Christ associated with tax collectors. I mean, that, that was the very bottom rung, and yet he had one of the writers of the Gospels be a tax collector. He, uh, the, the, some of the women 
that he associated with, you know, there were some questions as, as, to, as to them, including the Samaritan woman, you know, at, at the well. But Christ certainly is one who is welcoming all to repentance. Go and sin no more. But he had hope and he had confidence and optimism about their future, about their value. Um, I'm Dan Lausted from Attendant Eau Claire, Wisconsin. When, when I think about preaching, and I think uh, you, you brought it out really well, the difference between, te between teaching and preaching to preaching being proclaiming, and that's what we're talking about, sort of how do we connect with and proclaim the message of the good news out there to the world. So I think it's so important that as we're proclaiming, it's not just about, you know, like a clanging symbol. We can't just make noise to it. It has to be something that people will connect to and listen to because you can go on a street corner and you can you can jump up and down you can make lots of noise and a lot of attention but that's not going to pull people into the message so and i think some of the the others here talked about it's so important we figure out how to connect with people where they are you know and, and you were kind of mentioning that too they're in so many different places in in their lives today they have so many different challenges and if we come across judgmental they're not going to listen to us so we have to figure out how do we connect what is the message is going to connect what's the message that's going to give them hope for the future as we talked about, and that and that's the challenge. And the other thing I think about is, for for the young people, you know, I've heard that many more than ever are looking for a calling. They're looking, they want to be drawn into something. They want they want to feel good about what they're doing, not just a job or even a career, uh, but connecting with each other. And we have the the ultimate message, you know, that Christ has given to us. That Christ has this amazing calling, this entrepreneurial nature, this adventure. To go out on and serve serve each other and serve the world and achieve that crown so we have to figure out how to wrap that all up and and make it connect and give them that that meaning in life that is is deeper than anything else and we we have that to give so one of the greatest uh, success stories evangelistically was when a church was scattered after stephen's martyrdom people scattered all the way up to antioch which was a major city in rome and something very, very amazing happened over the next year is that many people were converted up there in Antioch. There's no, no record of actually any minister going up there. It doesn't mean that one wasn't up there and, and doing a work, but there's no record of, of one. And yet there were many people who, who came. And there's a lot of speculation, even among ourselves. What happened? Did the people set a good example? What did they do? And I know that there are fields that are more fertile for, for the gospel, but then there are also techniques that, that we, we can use for engaging people. One thing to add to what you mentioned earlier, Dan, was you know hearing some of the feedback from the young people as well, is they really respond to emotion as well and relationships. You know, And I think it's in our messages too, we can not only proclaim the truth, but also have emotion to it. The big thing to them is the music service as part of the worship as well. Tony Stith again. Something you said really resonated with me about how Christ um, came focusing on the needs of the people that he was ministering to. He, he healed them. He he knew what they He fed them. He took care of their needs. And I was thinking, of, you know, Mas if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy, you know, that we have needs, physiological needs, are like really at the base level. You have to have those filled, and then you have a need for safety, and then you have a need for, uh, only before you get those beings met, can you really reach for something higher? And Jesus really followed that. He really first kind of often met those needs, 
and that brought them, they, they knew he cared, and then he was able to teach them, and they were receptive to the message. And I, I think of Paul said, you know, he became all things to all people. And I think both to do that, to be able to know people's needs and to become all things, you really have to understand people's needs. And I wonder sometimes, and I don't know the answer, maybe it's a question, um, it feels like sometimes we have a one-size-fits-all and we preach the gospel and we send out this literature from a centralized location all over the country. But the people in Texas are the different than the people in Minnesota. They have different needs, different ways of seeing things. And every So how do you make it local where you can actually reach people and know their needs to be able to really minister to them and, and serve them? This concludes the comments that were made after church services. From here, we went back to our Airbnb in Two Harbors, where I got together with three of the ladies, where we had further discussion about the points that we were talking about that afternoon. You might hear some background noise and chatter, but we were all in one place, and I got in a corner with the ladies, and we had a discussion, and you'll be hearing some of the laughter and chatter in the background. Okay, now we had a discussion this afternoon here for the podcast, and I found three ladies who are willing to talk now. <laughs> <laughs> who were not willing to talk when we had the public group, well, except for Sherry, Sherry. So, so they wanted to contribute. Actually, I got them to contribute more here as the evening has worn on, on the subject of people that we relate to, how we relate to them regarding our faith. And I have just really appreciated the discussion. We have Tammy here from Blaine. We have Blaine, Minnesota. We have Sherry from St. Michael, Minnesota. And we have Elizabeth from Woodbury. And these are three ladies who are here. We're all together on a weekend biking with their husbands. So let's break into some of the conversation. Tell us about how you feel about people that don't believe like you do. Well, if you want me to tell another story, I could. I would love to hear. Okay, so I was probably five months pregnant with my oldest son, and we went on a cruise. We went on a cruise with another couple, and how they they assign you a table for dinner. Same time, same table. At our table, there was a gay married couple. Guys, the other people wouldn't talk to them, but I started talking to them. I mean... They told me about their rings and what they meant and whatever. Anyway, fast forward several days. It's almost like everybody else wanted to hang out with this couple. And so last day we're there. Everybody's out on the dance floor. And I'm sitting there with the female version of the couple. Mm -hmm. And we're just talking. All of a sudden he goes, you don't agree with our lifestyle, do you? I said, no, not at all. And he's just like, but I don't understand. I'm just like, listen, it doesn't matter what I think about what you do. You're a person. I said, to me, it only matters what God says about that. And if I take that, then yes, your lifestyle is not right. <laughs> it's sinful. And he, he, the point, the point that I'm making in that is that because we had built rapport, he sat up there. He accepted it. He's like, hmm, okay. And that, that was it. And it's kind of like if you have that time to build rapport, to not be judgmental, to e extend your hand because they're people. I mean, it says, you know, God gave his only begotten son for everyone. It's above my pay grade to 
treat them any less than that. But it doesn't mean I, I agree with their behavior. And it's not like I really wanted to hang out with them that much. The other people were with because they were, they were a lot of fun. <laughs> and this was tw- 26 or more years ago. It wasn't as accepting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it is now. And I don't know. That's just a story. Well, that's a very, very, very good story. I, I've actually, uh, just from a pastoral point of view, I've had people like that that I have talked to, but then I have put on this professional hat like I have to help them, and I have to put that above my feelings. Now, Tammy, I'm very, very intrigued to hear what you have to say about being judgmental. I don't know. I, I think there are people in the world that practice Christian values better than sometimes I practice. Um, and it makes me not ashamed. Ashamed is the wrong word, but just... Like, I realize that there are people that don't have the the plan that we have, um, that have, they're going to be, when God calls them in the kingdom, they're going to be right there. They're going to be leaders right with us once they have the truth. And I, I think that it's, it's not a good thing to, um, you know, to look down or to talk about people in a certain way just because they don't have the truth that we have um, because we all have the same potential and who knows why God called me rather than them you know only God knows that our life to us is very important I mean you know it, it, it is our life we want to protect it and there are things in our lives that we have that we think that we wish we didn't and some of these people may very well be in that same same role. They're very unhappy about the way that they can't form relationships. They're very happy about the fact that they can't be giving or sharing. They wish they could be. We might have for these people is to have that kind of compassion that Christ did of how, how they can change. Christ came out the very first order or command in, in the the beginning of Christ's ministry and the start of the church was repent. Repent simply means to change. Everyone wants to change and to be transformed. And now let's hear from Elizabeth. So going on from what she was, or both of them have been saying, I think one of the biggest things we have to do is before we ever start talking to people or preaching to people, we need to listen to them. We need to figure out where they are in their walk because until you start talking to them, you don't know what traumas they've experienced and and you can start addressing some of those things. Well, there is hope for that trauma. And I'll give an example. I have a, um, I had a really good friend, um, and um, she was very, very concerned about her sister because her sister wasn't a Christian. She was a Christian. Her sister wasn't a Christian. And I'm like, from our perspective, I don't worry so much about that because we have the knowledge, we, we understand that there is, are those people called now and then there are people who will be called later. She didn't have that second part. And I was able, you know, to, to lay some of her fears because I'm like, well, you know, she's listening, she's pouring her heart out to me, but we were really good friends before she brought this up to me. But I was able to give her some hope that, well, You know, you go look through Revelation, and I gave her some scriptures that, you know, a way um, to help explain 
Jesus Christ to them based on where they're coming from. And I, I know I, I work full time and I've discovered that whenever I'm in, and this isn't about me necessarily, but when I'm in the office, I, I don't preach at all. In fact, it's very hard in the, in the office corporate environment anymore to talk religion at all. But for some reason, no matter what I do, it's like people start just getting attracted. It's, it's not like I'm doing anything, but I am, I, I mean, I've experienced a lot of loss in my life. And so I think because I have a lot of compassion that way, it's like people, and they're all ages. We're not talking, you know, one of the people that I really have enjoyed at work is a 29 year old, you know, but I've, but it's like they start being kind of attracted. And before you know it, they're all coming to you and telling you their problems. And I haven't even spoken a word about Jesus Christ yet, but I feel like sometimes they just sense something without you even having to preach. And then, you know, like I say, you can start, you can start slowly bringing little things in. Well, this is what I know from the Bible, you know. Um, anyway, so I just think you have to sit and talk to people and you have to have compassion. You shouldn't sit there and judge them from the very beginning. You need to have a lot of compassion for them because people are hurting and they're very, a lot of people are very broken. Even Christian, I mean, Christians are very broken. And I think a lot of people forget Christians are also broken. <laughs> well, I, I think that we, even with our in-speak, you know, that you know, we we feel kind of we're special. We have our own brokenness among ourselves too. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is I try very hard. I don't, I try not to ch use church in-speak other than when I'm talking to certain people. And honestly, it's more even an older generation than me that I feel like I use that church and speak, but I've actually tried to eliminate a lot of it from my vocabulary because um, we've had friends, we ha we've had, we had some really good friends that came into church and um, we got to know them. They came into church and they started questioning some of our in speak. It was very enlightening. <laughs> So, especially when you grow up with it, you don't even realize that you're using it because it's just so normal. Because I think all of us were pretty much from childhood or from infancy. Yeah, in the church. So we don't even realize that we're doing it. You mentioned, uh, Elizabeth, about talking to people, sounding compassionate. And not sounding compassionate, being, being compassionate, compassionate, being compassionate. <laughs> Where I'm they, not faking my where, 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 where they don't feel threatened yeah. in, in some way. If they don't feel threatened, then I think you can continue the discussion. And who knows where it will lead. Exactly. And for the most part, I've had some interesting conversations. None coming to mind right now, but <laughs> I'm not as good of a storyteller as Sherry over here. <laughs> Stories are really helpful in describing how... Mm -hmm. Um, how you should, you know, how you would do something different, how it worked that time. Stories just make it come alive better, I think. But when you talk about church in speak, right? So Scott and I were talking on the way here, and he didn't want to take it in this direction, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit about what we talked about. It was more like, you know, when we have people come into the church, right? They may visit, they may whatever, be interested. We're such a tight-knit group, and we have our in-speak, and we have our things, you know, like most of us are related somehow, you know, <laughs> that we can often, it can make it really hard for that person that comes in 
And I was more like, well, isn't that an individual thing, right? Us personally, not waiting for the other person to go over and try to make that person comfortable. Or if you do hear in speak, give a backstory to the person so that they understand. That's just common courtesy. And sometimes in the church, we don't we don't think about that because we're so used to, to being what we're being. But somebody coming in from out, it's not easy. I came into the church, the church, when there were a lot of people coming in. So there were a lot of other new, newbies, you know, that were that were you know standing around, and you kind of felt felt okay about that. But I do do know that in later times, even when I was pastor in in uh, Indiana that we had so few people coming in that when somebody came in, they came into just a wall. And people, as much as they tried to be friendly, still kind of saw their buddies that they hadn't seen all week, and they started talking to them. And more times than not, people did not return. And it's not because of doctrine, not because of what they believed, but I feel because they just honestly did not feel like they belonged there. It is hard to break into a new group. Yeah, I always try to make it a point to going up to new people I don't know at services and introduce myself and find out about them too. So, cause I, I know how that can feel um, moving into a new church area, even growing up in the church and not knowing people or having to build those new relationships. It's very hard. So I, I always want to try to be, extend the, the welcoming handshake or the welcoming, whatever the welcoming smile to new people. So one of the word, one of the in-speak things, going back to the in-speak thing, is the phrase in the church. Mm -hmm. I've tried to not use that phrase anymore. We're using it in this interview. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> but hard. it's kind of insulting to somebody like, like this friend of mine that was so eye-opening to us. They had come in just a, re a regular Christian church. I don't remember which denomination. But they were in their 30s. And before that, they had been partiers and all that kind of stuff. And they come in. And and um, so for them, this isn't in the church. They've had a journey through a couple different churches and learning things along the way. It's just kind of in some ways, I think, insulting for somebody who's been a Christian in particular their whole lives to say, oh, now we are the church. And so anyway, it's just an issue I have. Got another story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so I would have my kids start another school year, because one was in school, one was homeschool, that I would write up a letter to each teacher, and I would explain days that they would have to miss. But I would explain each holy day more on their verbiage, right? I would say what it was, and then I would say what it pictures for us, but put it in a way where it didn't seem like something really weird, the whole in-speak thing, and it was received so well. Like, they thanked me so much, and then they were supportive, getting homework together and just sending them out. It makes a big difference of how you approach it and not talking down to them, but just explaining. And I would put at the end that I'm trying to raise my boys to be respectful of other people's beliefs and everything like that, just like I would expect, I would hope. Yeah, I put it more like that from you guys. And it worked. I have a story about my friend um, who is not in our church, um, who came to visit me last summer um, 
when we first moved up to the Minneapolis area. And Tony was giving the sermon. And she actually came to church with me. She came to services with me. It was the first time ever. And um, thankfully, Tony was speaking, and it was a really good sermon on um, Jesus Christ as your quarterback. Or no, was that what it was? Team captain. Jesus Christ as my team captain. So I asked my friend what she thought about the sermon after, because I was really curious to know. And she's like, it was, I, I felt like I was at home. And she goes to an evangelical church, and she just felt like it was a wonderful sermon, and she enjoyed it very much. And she enjoyed being in services with everybody, and everyone. I think everyone made her feel very welcome, which made me feel good too. So back to what you were saying, what you were saying that your friend um, that we don't get the that when they say they keep grace that. They are very much law keepers as well. And I found that I sat in, a, I, I was involved for about three years in a Bible study group with people from different denominations. And that was the biggest thing I learned is just because you're under grace. Um, I guess so many people in our church have always said, oh, grace, you know, means they don't keep the law. They don't think they have to do anything. I'm like, well, that wasn't what I was getting from the people that I was in this. Absolutely. They they were they were strict about certain things and stricter than I was about certain things. That was my point. That though the some of my friends are better Christians than I am because they they are very moral. They I mean not that I'm not moral. I don't mean that, but (laughs) I just mean I just mean they are just very strict at um, what they believe in, and it's I think it's just all about. Um, not knowing the Sabbath and not knowing the holy days, and um, they hate divorce. They hate, mm-hmm. um, they hate lying and um, you know the things that that oriented. right. They're very family oriented. Right? Yes, they're very, they're very giving, loving people. Very involved in the community. That's the other thing is, and I think sometimes because our church, we're so spread out, sometimes we have difficulty being involved in the community. And sometimes our church takes a lot of work ourselves, so we're not as involved. But these people get in and volunteer way better than I am. They're involved in their community in a lot of different ways. And um, so they they sometimes think I'm legalistic, but if I sit there and talk to them long enough, they're like, oh. No, you're not legalistic, but I do. I do cringe when I feel like ministers will give sermons that say something about grace, and um, sometimes in our church, I think people put down grace a little bit, and they they think that oh, you know, it's all grace in that church. It's all grace, and I'm like, well, if you really get grace, grace is, hey, you know what? Christ died for me. I'm going to do whatever I can because he died for me. I want to be the best person I can be. That's what grace is. Grace is all about obeying God because you're so grateful for the for what he did for you. And I think a lot of people in our, in our with our background don't always understand the depth of grace. Mm-hmm. And that that law, that the law goes with grace and that we aren't the only people that think that that so I think we need to you know, start recognizing that we have to respect each other and live together in harmony, whether or not 
we agree 100% on every single issue. As long as we agree on the important things of doctrine, I, I think all the other stuff is minutiae, really. It doesn't save me. Jesus saves me. Yeah, Christ is my Savior. My wife and I, we, we have experienced so many ups and downs in the church. We, but then we've said, look, we've just got to do the right thing. We have to walk in our own integrity. We have to do, do the right things of what's right. And, you know, we have won every single time. So we have to be very, very careful as to how we characterize other people. I think, too, we have to remember that if we put down people now, I mean, I, I almost feel like there's going to be, like, video of us, you know, like, in, in the kingdom. Played back you know, for you. Played back, yes, played back for me. Yeah, this is but, what you did. Yeah, well, because we're going to be hopefully working with people in the kingdom to help them along. And if we talk bad about them now, what does that say about us for the future and how we treat them in the future as future kings and priests. I think one thing that really helped my boys, because, you know, when you have when you have kids growing up in the church, they have an idealistic view of what people should be in our church, <laughs> of what people should be in our church. And, and they look at older people and say, well, you guys should know better. You know, they'll, they'll see the hypocrisy, right? They don't understand we're all human. We all make mistakes. But the, the way I put it to them, I said, guys, Everybody, God has everybody on their own journey, and it may not look right to you, but God knows what he's doing. You know, they may have to really screw up. They may have to do whatever. I said, but you can't judge their journey <laughs> because there's people that aren't, that were in the church that aren't right now, that I guarantee you he's not done with them yet. There's going to be a way that they're going to find their way back. I believe that. But if you sit back and judge them, then you're wrong. <laughs> You're you want wrong. the worst for them, or you work against them, and you lead to their destruction. Mm -hmm. you know, or hope that they destroy when God loves them as much as he loves us. Or you, you help them become hopeless, right? Where they're, they're just done. They, they, especially somebody that left the church, right, that's baptized, and they left. Like, they're doomed forever. No. God knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? All those judgment things, it's above your pay grade. Right. And I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> he doesn't give up on us. So how can we give up on each other? You know, which, which, which is a model for us and how we're to work with, with people at our particular level. Jesus Christ died for sinners while we were yet in our sins. Mm -hmm. and, in our church and out. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, we have it in the church. I know. A lot. <laughs> well, this certainly has been a very enlightening conversation. I appreciate you ladies commenting once You're I, welcome. When we were able to bring you together. <laughs> <laughs> once you like. <laughs> You're funny. But thank you so much. If there's any future topics you want to talk about, we can talk about them on the air. But I have found that we have had a lot of good conversations that have been helpful. That's good. Okay. So Tammy, Sherry, Elizabeth, thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to us today on The Cubic Report. We welcome you to share this podcast and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, and many other platforms. You can easily find us at any browser address box by typing in the words, 
The Cubic Report, and there we are. Remember, Cubic is spelled K-U-B-I-K. So we'd love to hear from you. Write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.